All right, so uh, this is uh, th- this is Paul. His name is Paul Miller, and uh, he used to serve uh, with the leadership council of YWAM in the UK, and he also served. He used to serve also as the London director of YWAM, and uh, he's here today. He's also uh, happens to be Brady's dad. And uh, he has a word uh, for us today. So uh, let's welcome Paul Miller. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's uh, well. Look, already the uh, the the prayer that was before the sermon has been answered. That they said, and let not the words of this uh, sermon just be Christians. <laughs> That's excellent. Thank you. The. Um, just to say, uh, we've been uh, thrilled to see Brady and have so enjoyed the fellowship here with you, Mary and I, uh, both. And I'm thinking of the, the, the scripture uh, in Romans 1.11 where Paul says, I long to come to you, uh, Romans, that we, you and I may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. And even the great apostle Paul looked to the Romans and said, you know, it's a two-way street. And I want to be mutually encouraged by your faith. And I have to say that Mary and I, uh, Mary's my wife, and uh, I like the way Christian put that, uh, that I happen to be, what do you mean I happen to be father, Brady's father? I am Brady's father. That wasn't, that wasn't just a happening. Well, it was a happening, but we won't go into that. The, um, uh, the, so, uh, and we have been so, uh, I have to say, mutually encouraged that as we have seen, uh, touched your spirits, met you personally, I've uh, seen uh, uh, the stirrings of the Holy Spirit among you. Uh, we ourselves have been uh, so blessed by our time here, and I want to thank you for that as well. And as we're just mentioning Romans 1.11, in fact, it's that term, encouragement, that I want to look at this morning for just a few minutes. Uh, despite who was the, pre- the preacher who said, uh, sermonettes make Christianettes, you know, but I'm going to give you a sermonette maybe two times, maybe make Christians. So I only have, uh, I want to keep to my uh, limit here. Um, But I want to look at Barnabas in the book of Acts and just go through kind of three uh, segments where where the the book of Acts lays out a bit of this man's uh, life, Barnabas, who can be a little bit in the shadows. Uh, But I want us to look at the scriptures and to see in the economy of God and in the mind of God, this man was not in the shadows. And I want to use that as a model of encouragement because I think as God looks, uh, looks at this man, he says, here's a model. Here's something that I want for you because this kind of approach to life uh, where encouragement flows through our lives is something that is uh, so important in the kingdom of God. For many reasons, for one reason, surely that's the way God is. We know he's not a God of condemnation, but we know he's a God of encouragement. But it's like... The, the little child who's, who was told by their parents, well, uh, you, know, you know, as a child, Jesus is always with you. And she uh, looked up in her simple faith at six years old and said, yes, uh, Father, but I want somebody with a face. And often God's face not only comes direct spirit to spirit to us, but through one another. He expresses himself through us because we are his vehicles. So I want to look at uh, Barnabas here as a model of encouragement. And um, as you look here, in, uh, we'll start the first scripture we'll look at in Acts 4 and in verse 36. And uh, as you look there, uh, we first see Barnabas here at a very simple kind of introduction. Joseph 
a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. The apostles called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And he sold a field and he brought it there. And you notice that, that obviously in the apostles' mind, that this man stood for something to them because it says they called him a son of uh, encouragement. And don't you know that God is into naming people? God is into naming people. When you look in uh, Mark 3 and 15 and 16 and you see the list of the apostles, it says, you know, Peter, uh, Simon, whom Jesus called Peter, and uh, James and John, whom uh, Jesus called uh, the sons of thunder. I always kind of reinterpret that in my mind, say there's Rocky 1, there's Zip Zip, and there's Boom Boom. Now what is, think of sons of thunder. Now, his sons, I always think, you know, we're human beings. We're made in the image of God. So any humor that we have, and despite, people, uh, despite what people have said about Brady, he can be funny at times. <laughs> he can be. He, he can be. I, I've, seen, I've seen glimpses here and there. And so, uh, you know, any humor that we have, it's only because we're created in the image of God. And I see, I have to say, I see a bit of humor. People don't know exactly what is it. The scripture commentators, what does is, what is, uh, sons of thunder mean? But I think Jesus is kind of, you know, nudging them a little bit to that incident where James and John said, Jesus, shall we call down fire upon this village? We're, we're ready. You want fire? He said, no, you know, that's not really what I'm after. Sons of thunder. This was in their personality. So he kind of was re- looking at this and saying, they're the sons of thunder. And when you look at names, it seems to me there's four things that go into names. God looks at, and we should be looking at, a person's calling, a person's personality, a person's character, and a person's gifts. And the, when the names, they focus on different things. You know, a lot of times it's about their calling. Here's what you're going to be, so I'm going to name you this. Uh, but sometimes there's a bit of this personality thing goes in there. With, with the Sons of Thunder, I think it's their kind of, you know, they're a bit uh, like this, ready to, to call down thunder. And uh, when God looks at our lives because we're talking about Barnabas today, I think he hopes to find in us more and more this Barnabas personality. A person that God can say, there goes a son of encouragement. And that just like the apostle said, there's a son of encouragement, he can say that about us. So I want us to look at that a little bit this morning. Uh, It's kind of like uh, the other day, uh, Brady was waiting for us in in Quiznos. And uh, Friday night, and uh, we came down there, and then Brady told me, he said, uh, Lydia and uh, Megan came by. And they didn't know that they were there, but Lydia apparently saw Brady's the back of his head and said, uh, you know, I know that head. That's a white person's head. <laughs> First of all, we say full marks to Lydia. Good, very good. <laughs> but there's characteristics. And we want to have that in our lives where there goes a son of encouragement. So let's uh, look at this guy. Uh, You know, I'm going to call him Beautiful Barney. But remember this, as we look at this scripture, Beautiful Barney was more than just Mr. Nice Guy. He was more than just Mr. Nice Guy. This issue of encouragement is more than being, well, he's a nice person, which is kind of soft, you know. But there's more to it uh, than that. We next come across uh, Barnabas in Acts 9. And verse 26. Here he's starting to move into action a little bit. And you can see why he's getting this name. This is Paul now has just been kind of, they've heard about this guy, Paul. Who is this guy? He's causing trouble. You know, we're a bit suspicious, the apostles were. 
And so when he, that is Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Here's, here's the great fathers of the faith. You know, here's Paul who's going to be one of the great fathers of the faith. And what did the apostles say? Mm, for fear. Fear marked them. This is after they've been baptized in the Spirit. This is after all the miracles. This is after things have been going. But they had heard about this guy, Paul. You know, his reputation went before him. Uh, and then we got, but Barnabas. Ah, there's another one of those, uh, you know, the big butts. Uh, big, big butts are not often good, but often in Scripture here, you see that here, but Barnabas. Now let's focus. <laughs> let's focus on the right thing. Uh, but Barnabas. Now, it's here, you know, here's all the disciples, these, these, these mighty men of God, but they're not receiving what God is doing. And here it takes this kind of perspective on life. It takes the, the type of perspective that goes into what makes up a person who gives encouragement that's going to now allow what next takes place. Barnabas has a different mindset. Something is different. And so he does, and he acts different because of that. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He, that is Barnabas, told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in, David, in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So what's he doing? He's being, he's being Paul's champion. You know, it's like in some management books. They say, well, if you want something to go ahead innovative in your company, you often need a champion inside of that company to protect this kind of maverick over here who's doing stuff. And you need a champion within that to kind of say, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to make the way. And here is a Barnabas doing just that. He takes him. He introduces him. He says, shut up, Paul. I'll tell the story. They, they don't know you. They trust me. And he, he lays out all the credibility factors. And they go, okay, well, maybe, maybe. And look at the result because of that. Look at because of the difference of who he is and then what he does. Look what happens in the next verse. So Paul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, and moved about freely. In other words, room was made for his ministry because of Barnabas. Room was made. In other words, an encourager is so key to releasing the ministry of somebody else. The way God does it, God could move sovereignly. You know, God could say, you sit down there. You don't have to evangelize. You just say, I'll just do it all. It doesn't work like that. But similarly, within the ministries of the church, within our actions and relationships of the people of God, it's not just God sovereignly saying everybody is just a mass out there. I do everything. No, there is a place for us, for you and I, to step there and say, I'm going to be this person's champion, not just for my ministry, but for this person's calling, gifting, and what God has for them. And because of that, there is a real difference made in the church. Paul moved freely, it says, about Jerusalem because of this ministry. The next place you see Barnabas is in Acts 11, verses 26, 22 and 26. And here it really is multiplied. The same perspective and the same results, but the impact is even greater. In Acts 11, verses 22, this is when now the church is already exploded out of Jerusalem and gone to, to Antioch, to the Gentiles. The church is now moving beyond the Jewish circle. It's now becoming a world religion, not, not just Judaism multiplied. So this is a very significant uh, time in, in, the, in the life of the church. Uh, and look who they, they, they look to 
in order to further this. Um, in Acts 11, verse 22, news of this. In other words, the spread of the gospel beyond the Jews, among the Gentiles, amazingly. Nobody had thought of this. Everybody thought this is a Jewish thing. Jesus even said, stayed, only go to the Jews. So there's no, there's no wonder why the apostles themselves said, well, Jesus said it, so I guess we shouldn't go to anybody else. But it, the Spirit moved them on. Something new was afoot. And then we see what happens. News of this reached the ears of the church of Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Why Barnabas? Of course. He's the type of guy who's open. He's the type of guy who has eyes to see what the Spirit is doing that's new and will encourage him. So they knew who to send. They send Barnabas up there. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, notice that, and saw the evidence. This is where encouragement starts, by the way. He saw something. I wonder what we see in people. Remember last week, uh, we were talking about uh, all through the weekend, apparently, this one theme was coming through, the, the extraordinary out of the ordinary. Do we see just the ordinary? Or do we have the eyes of a Barnabas who can also see there's something extraordinary in there. In this person, there's something extraordinary. How can I encourage that? He saw the evidence of the grace of God. Maybe somebody else wouldn't have seen something, but he did. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them. Now, some people aren't glad either when they see the evidence. And encouraged them. There he goes again. Yeah, yeah, of course, he's Barnabas. He encourages people. That's what he does. But it goes on to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. We'll come back to that. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So here's this mighty work of God. Now, surely, in most of our books, we could just cut the story off there. This is great. The gospel's gone to a significant new people. It's, it's, it's uh, gone beyond the regions of what we thought before. Barnabas comes. He confirms it. Even more people are being won to the Lord. That's great. Can't we go to chapter 12? Why do we have to have these next few verses? But notice Barnabas's uh, next move. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. That, to me, is a huge verse. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Notice the, act, the action word, to look for him. Where is he? I'm going to go for him. He didn't sit there and wait. If Bar, you know, if Paul wants to come, he can come. Well, I'm not going to put any uh, obstacles before him. No, he took the initiative. He went there. He looked for him. Now, what strikes me is what somebody else might have done. Because what a tempting position to be in. Hey, I'm the kingpin here. I'm the head of this new, whole new movement now. The church is spreading all out into a completely different region. And, and I can be uh, in this exciting position to be involved with God. I can be shepherding this. They respect me. I've got credibility. I've been sent here. God's already anointing me and using me. Because look, more people are coming to the Lord. But notice what Barnabas does. He says, no, there's somebody else that God wants involved here. And this is what makes Barnabas Barnabas. He goes and looks and says, I'm going to bring somebody. And it's like John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. You cannot be a Barnabas unless, unless we have the spirit of John the Baptist. I am willing for somebody else to increase. Uh, the opposite is what, this, what James 3, uh, 14 and 16 talks about. Let there be no envy and selfish ambition among you, lest there be uh, disorder. And the opposite of this Barnabas spirit 
is, no, I'm going to protect my ministry. And it's sad but true, it's, it's easy to be encouraging to others who are in fields other than our own. What's difficult is to, is to encourage somebody who has the same giftings that you that can be in comparison with yours. You know, when I would be, for years I would do street preaching, and I would rejoice. Somebody else would be a pastor or doing some other. Great, praise the Lord. But if I heard somebody else's street preaching complimented, I'd go, well, what about me? You know, I mean, surely, you know, I sort of... That's where the rub comes. Do you see what I mean? The rub comes in our fields. It's, it's easy to bless somebody, encourage somebody in, other, in somebody else's field. But when it's the same giftings and the same callings as in my field, that's where the real grace of God has to be. And here's what Barnabas does. In the very leadership position, in the very preaching, in the very ministry of the Holy Spirit, that's where he says, bring Paul in. That's fine. And the amazing impact, we looked in Acts 9 there, where the impact was Paul moved freely. I wonder, what, what, would there have been epistles without Barnabas? I mean, it's Barnabas that released the ministry of Paul, because now you see Paul, 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 Paul. Acts 13 and 14, you see Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. Which reminds us, you know, is that, the, remember I was saying, he wasn't just Mr. Nice Guy. Barnabas wasn't, as they say, a man of paste and flour, as, a ver, as, as opposed to, you know, the man of faith and power. He wasn't just, oh, well, you know, I support Paul. No, when you look at Acts 14, uh, 2 and 3, and God confirmed it did miracles among them, plural. So he was moving in the Holy Spirit. He was anointed, but that wasn't the issue. He saw the call of God on Paul, and, he, and, and the result was the epistles. You, the, the, the gospel moved into Europe because Paul was called then into Europe. Look at what uh, Barnabas released. The, 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 the power of encouragement is not, oh, well, yeah, we just get kind of a, an extra buzz, extra uh, uh, kind of good lining on life, but it can make a huge difference. It released the ministry of Paul. So when uh, Paul says, let us mutually encourage one another, when in, in Hebrews 10, 25, it says, let us not forsake the meeting together of ourselves, but encouraging one another as you see the day approaching. Notice that, that he even says, what is the point of us meeting together? The, a, a primary point of meeting together is encouraging one another. God's putting a focus on that because it is so key, not just to having comfort and strength in life, which it does, but also to releasing ministries. All right. Uh, okay, I better bring it to a close. Um, the, let me just say, we encourage by what we see, by what we say, and by what we do. And I, I saw a sort of a counterexample here in Korea the other day. Um, uh, of how not to encourage. Um, it's, uh, I love the way uh, in Korea you have these tandem uh, bicycles with a lady on the back. Yeah. And so we were in the park the other day, and uh, so we saw a guy driving along, and, and, and uh, I think it was Brady you know, who, who brought it to my attention. He said, you see, the ladies on the, they, their feet are on the pedal, but that's kind of just good show. The guy's in the front, you know. And the lady's foot is just kind of going around behind, you know. And we figured out why the seats are lower in the back. You know, it's not because so you can bring children. It's so when the guy looks behind and he sees the woman, he can't see what she's doing. He, he doesn't realize she's not really peddling, you know. 
Or, or, and so when he looks behind, he says, oh, yes, dear, yes, dear, you know. And then the most blatant one was that's, that's type one of riding tandem bicycles in Korea that I noticed. You know, the lady's feet are just kind of going around. Uh, type two was the second lady. And she just, you know, she made no pretense that she was kind of helping. She just had her feet on the crossbar in the middle, you know. And she was yelling something. Now, I don't know Korean. But I think she was probably yelling, faster, dear, faster. So if I could just urge you that that's not the way that you want to encourage. You want to get in there with them rather than just kind of, you know, put your feet up on the crossbar. The last comment I want to make is that as well as the personal aspect of encouragement, that is we to one another, we're looking for things. What is it that I can... What, Lord, give me the eyes to see what is it in this other person uh, that I can encourage. Because remember, encouragement is just not... Remember the false prophets in the Old Testament encouraged the wrong things. And they accused Jeremiah uh, of being a discourager of the people. So it's just not being gullible, being, you know, always positive about everything. It starts with seeing something. Barnabas was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And faith is not believing in the non-existent. Faith is believing in the invisible. You see something that somebody else doesn't always see through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So encouragement starts by seeing something, then saying it, and then doing it. And that's in the individual. We need to have eyes to see how can I, uh, what is it that I should be seeing in this other person I can really see? And then secondly, how can I encourage that? Is it through what I say? Is, through, is it through what I do? How? What, what, Lord, give me wisdom to know how can I bring that thing out? What is my role? What is the word in season? You know, I couldn't find the scripture, uh, but there is the scripture, a word in season. And, it's, and it seems to me that, that encouragement's like that. They say in real estate, they say, what are the three secrets, you know, to being successful? Uh, realtor, and it's location, location, location. It seems to me in, in uh, uh, encouragement, it's timing, timing, timing. A word in season. A word in season is, as you know, if it's uh, winter, you don't say, uh, you know, you should get your bathing suit on, dear. That's the word that's out of season, wrong season. Good advice, but wrong season. And it seems to me it's the same in, in encouragement. So in, there's a, personally, it is so important. Let me just, let me put before you the model of Barnabas. Let us be encouragers in what we see, in what we say, and how uh, what we do, so that you we might, as Paul was saying, be mutually encouraging and bring out those gifts because we see that it actually makes a practical difference. The last just comment is, I think corporately is so important. And let me take a back step here and say it, and say it in this way. In, in 1 Samuel 30, uh, verse 6, it's, David says he strengthened himself, or the Scriptures say David strengthened himself in the Lord. Continue to see these two in tandem, strength and encouragement, strength and encouragement. He strengthened himself in the Lord. So we say, well, well, what does that mean? Well, I think he went to the Word of God and, found, and, and reminded himself of his place in God. Now, corporately, I think this is so important in, for a church like yours, which is uh, moving in fresh ways in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And let me put it this way. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians, is it uh, 12 or 14... Uh, or should I ask you? <laughs> A little test here. Okay. 
Um, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 21 and 15, you see two, two problems uh, uh, that they're talking about knowing their place in the body. One is inferiority. I don't belong to the body. The other one is superiority. I don't need you. I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. So there's two ways to be out of order and not knowing your place. One is superiority. I don't need the rest. Or inferiority. I'm just a, you know, a little worm and I don't really belong. And it seems to me that what encouragement does is you find yourself, you, you know your place. You strengthen yourself in the Lord. So you know your place in the Lord and you know your place in the body of Christ. You're not, you're not inferior, nor are you su superior. Now, why do I say I think that this is so important corporately? Because it seems to me when I look at, when you just read history, and you read about the fresh movements of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, what often tends to happen is those, for, self, for reasons of survival, that movement of the Spirit, through all the criticism that they receive, isolate themselves from the rest of the body. It's isolation because, okay, will you reject me? Then I'll just push back. It's a natural response, and it's very easy to do. But what happens when you get isolated, you get into that sense uh, willy-nilly of, I don't need you. And in isolation, what can happen? Weirdness can happen. There's too many movements of the Spirit that get weird eventually because of isolation. But when you stay in relationship to the entire body, because you're not worried by their criticism. You say, okay, I know you disagree. That's all right. You know, uh, I know my place in the Lord, and I know my place in the body. It's not going to move me, but I'll listen to you. I'll fellowship, but I'm not going to get that kind of uh, uh, weirdness. And I, what I mean by this is, for instance, what I see with conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories is the product often of people who are outsiders, outside of power. So it explains it through some fantastic conspiracy theory. Whether it's the AIDS epidemic in Africa, is sort of a, a, a white man's injection into Africa to keep down Africa. Why does that come up? I think it comes up because a lot of people are outside power. And when you're outside power, you don't know what's going on. And you think, no, oh, that's actually a credible explanation of why AIDS is, is rampant in Africa. Uh, because the white men have introduced it there. Or I see the same thing in, in evangelical circles in America about the Trilateral Commission. Oh, you know, the Trilateral Commission is trying to take over the world. Uh, why? Because so often in the past, evangelicals have been outside, isolated from power, and therefore come up with these, we come up with these strange conspiracy theories to explain everything. Why? And that's, what, that's just one of many examples of weirdness. But if we know our place, are encouraged in the Lord, know our place in the Lord, and know our place in the body, I think it's a protection for us. So if I could just say those two things. Let us take on the mantle of, of Barnabas in our personal lives. Let us say, Lord, give me eyes to see. How can I say and how can I do in order to encourage, empower, and release those ministries that are around me that God surely has put there and how can we have this spirit of encouragement where we're resting and confident in our place in the Lord corporately? So, Lord, we just pray, Father, that we might know your ways. We thank you for Barnabas. We thank you, Lord, that you're a God that encourages us, that we are here because you, uh, you do not condemn us, but you build, you give life, you speak life into our beings. And, Lord, we just call out to you. We ask you that we might just be able to do that for others, that we might have that flow of your spirit, Father. Spirit of prophecy is there for comfort, strengthening, 
and encouragement. Lord Jesus, that we might be those uh, not who invent things about others, but can just see what you're doing, confirm them, strengthen them, Lord. Give us that grace, Lord God, that we might be like you in this. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.